Fisk, and I'd like to welcome you to my Lesson for Guitar Player magazine. That was the fugue from the first Sonata for Unaccompanied Violin, Bach Werke Verzeichnis 1001, by Johann Sebastian Bach. We're going to be discussing some relatively simple principles here, and you might say, what does the great Bach have to do with these simple principles? But I hope by the end of this lesson that some of that will be clear. First of all, let's get tuned up. I usually take either a tuning fork or that wonderful musical instrument known as a metronome and let it rip. Isn't that a beautiful sound? That'll be our A, and then we'll we try it with the uh, with the first string, fifth fret, and then from there go on tuning the instrument. That's uh, first string, fifth fret, fourth string, seventh fret harmonic, fifth string, fifth fret harmonic, etc., and just go on tuning as you normally would. I'm sure you all know how to tune the guitar. Uh, now I'd like to just demonstrate some of the things that I discussed in the article. Uh, I was talking about uh, scales and how one thing I like to do is have people work with different groupings of scales. And I referred to, in the article also to uh, how in elementary school, you know, when, they, when you were in math class, I know this is a painful memory, but uh, you remember when they would say, like, t let n equal integers starting, you know, two, three, four, five positive integers. Well, it's the same idea that you're just going to play increasingly large uh, groups of notes. So you might start with notes uh, just in groups of two, as an example, 1A. Or you could take a group of three. Or a group of four. And then you can just keep going on and on as far as you want. You can do five. Or six. Now, one of the things that's very helpful in practicing scales is to start doing different kinds of accents. So, for example, you can accent the first of each group, like this. But if you use a weak finger to do that, then you strengthen the weak finger. In other words, put the accent on the weak finger. Let's say I'm going to take the ring finger and practice. That was, for example, that was all AI, or ring finger index. I could also take the pinky and practice. For example, I could take, like, pinky. That was pinky index, pinky index, for example. And what people don't realize is that if you develop the pinky, develop strength in the pinky, you're also helping the ring finger. Uh, it brings the whole hand into balance, really, because what we tend to do with the guitar is really focus on the index in the middle, and uh, we forget about the ring finger. And so 
that whole side of the hand is weak and it never gets used. But if you bring the pinky into play and use it, uh, you will help that whole side of the hand. So just to continue with the examples, here's example uh, 2A. Or example 2B is this one. And example 2C is this one. And you could play those. I don't necessarily think that uh, you have to play all this stuff really fast. I think it's more important to play loudly and clearly uh, and make sure that you're, you're producing a good sound all the way through rather than trying to build up to enormous speeds. This stuff is, is meant to be done gradually. And I think uh, more repetitions of something easy is better than a few repetitions of something that's really hard. I do advise, however, that you play around with tone colors. For example, you could start down by the bridge. Let's say we were going to be playing our, our example of groups of two. And move slowly over the sound hole, over the fretboard even, and end up way up over the fretboard. Now I could also start, let's say, up around, I don't know, around the 10th fret or something, and do the same thing, go in the direction of the bridge. so far down on the bridge I could hardly play, but that's the idea. Now you can also do it going towards the sound hole and then back down towards the bridge, or the other way around, starting up at the sound hole, going to the bridge and coming back down over the sound hole. So that would be, like say if I start at the bridge now, now I'm moving towards the sound hole, so I'm about over the, I don't know, 15th fret, now I'm coming back down. down at the bridge. And the other way, obviously, I could start up, let's say I start about the 12th fret or something. So I'm going to go down to the bridge, which I'm reaching now. I'm coming back down towards the sound hole. So there's so much that you can do in your scale practicing to make life interesting for yourself. The main thing, I think, is not to let your mind fall asleep and to remember, as I said at the end of the article, that our English word for playing an instrument is the same word that we use to describe what children do. And the way that children play is something that we as adults have maybe forgotten and certainly need to get back in touch with. So I think that that's a very important aspect to playing scales. One of the things that I try to stress in teaching is that I like the students to come up with their own ideas. And one of the things you can do with these scale patterns is uh, to give different kinds of groupings, different kinds of accents. For example, the typical flamenco accent is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And so I suggested that you could do, even on a single note, that kind of a, of a sequence. So you'd have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 10, 12, through the whole scale. Uh, you can also take, let's say, just a smaller grouping if you don't want to take 12 notes. 
you take a smaller grouping, let's just say take, take a group of six, and you can start dividing that different ways, like one, two, three, or in groups of two groups of three, which would, or My great teacher, Segovia, always said that you should play scales two hours a day. Uh, I don't know if I've ever played scales two hours a day in my entire life, but uh, Segovia always claimed that was uh, the key to getting a good instinctive feel for the instrument because you do acquire through playing scales a certain degree of automatic response to the instrument, which is, uh, I think, really important. Speaking of Maestro Segovia, let me remind you all that I do have a new CD out on Music Masters Records which is entitled Segovia and includes a lot of hitherto unpublished pieces of his. And I hope you'll all have a chance to go out and pester your local record store for copies. So just to show you how magnificent scales can actually sound, let's listen to the opening measures of the wonderful prelude in E major by Johann Sebastian Bach. This one from the violin partita in E major, Bachwerkeverzeichnis 1006. Uh, you probably know this piece was also arranged by Bach, probably for this lute harpsichord that he had sitting around at home. He had two of them, by the way. And he also arranged this prelude as the sinfonia, or the opening movement, of his cantata number 29. So here goes, scales according to Johann Sebastian Bach. Thanks a lot for listening and hope to meet up with you all sometime soon in person.